Welcome to Visibility Unlimited Podcast, hosted by Leslie Short from the Cabo Group. We will be covering topics that are important to diversity and inclusion, company culture, leadership, and the role that each of us plays within those topics. I bring four decades of experience when I created the Cabo Group to advise companies and organizations how to expand beyond their current culture through the diversity and inclusion lens. My focus is designed to seek growth through open conversation, conflict coaching, trainings, and workshops. I firmly believe that issues don't go away just because programs are in place, but by continually evolving and having a channel to listen, to understand the people who are our greatest assets. I am also a speaker, chaplain, activist, certified mental health aide, mediator, conflict, and transformational coach, as well as a CEO and leadership advisor. I look forward to my new book, They and Them, Making It We and Us, a realistic approach to diversity and inclusion, which will be available January 2021. This week's topic is, what is the new normal? Since this is the normal of the moment. Let's go. Good afternoon, everyone. We want to jump into this topic of how this pandemic pandemic came about with the blame. We started with China. And so China was blamed, then Chinese was blamed, then those that were Asian were blamed. Then if you were in New York, especially, it went to the Orthodox Jewish community. And they were blamed for an still holding funerals and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and that type of thing. Somehow, <laughs> in the last two weeks, it is now in China, no less, become Africans and anyone that's Black. So I started with Africans at the McDonald's. And if you're not familiar with that story, I'll just go back a bit. And I, I want to also preference this conversation of please put your conversation Please put your comments in, start thinking our questions. This is going to be a conversation between all of us. It's not going to be me speaking and then you have to wait to ask a question. So jump in. So if you don't know the story of the McDonald's in China put a notice up and it was part of the invite saying no Africans because they're spreading the disease. So you know, well, I think we're all used to a lot of deflecting on blame on a lot of things. And then it went from that to no one of color is allowed in shopping malls or allowed in stores. So it's very bizarre how the, the blame game has done a circle. And then if you saw Politico's article today, they have, I'm just looking at Russia, China, and Iran are blaming the U.S., so at this point, the conversation for me really goes past the blame. What do we do with this? What do we do with this bias? Because it went from blaming to attacking. So, um, Annie, you'll be mad at me, but I'm calling out my girlfriend, Annie, who is a doctor who happens to be Asian, who is an amazing doctor who I call for everything, and that's not what she does. But because people did not see or people don't see, or know what she does, it was, there is a, a bias on, oh, you're Asian, I'm gonna attack you, you saw that on buses, 
oh, you're Jewish Orthodox, you're out, you know, you're out doing funerals. On the flip side, we had African-Americans shooting a video in the barbershop last week. So it is such a disparity also on how things are being handled. So you have the police standing next to um, Orthodox Jews going, please stop that, that type of thing. You have folks getting arrested in the barbershop and you have other people um, just being attacked all the way around. How do we move past the blame and the consistent constant bias of Asians? I know in New York, they have now done a new task force that was announced again today in regards to making sure that there's a task force for our bias against Asians. I love that. I think there should be a task force for everyone. Clearly we're policing ourselves or not policing ourselves. But at some point, when the bias that's been consistent in, in the Jewish community has also been consistent now through the pandemic outside of the Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods, and clearly anyone that's African-American or brown has known that this is a bias that has been part of a culture. Okay? So now we're wearing bandanas, you know, it's necessary that we all must have face coverings. Well, I've had a lot of black men say to me, I don't want to wear a face cover. I'm not going to wear a face cover. A face cover is going to get me killed. But what does that look like? And if there's anyone on here that, that wants to share that feeling of, that's just one more layer I'm going to have to deal with. Then I, I really would love to hear from you. Um, because Major, maybe you want to jump in on that. So we had this conversation. Yeah, I'll, I'll start it out with my, my question that I had as well, especially when it came down here. So I'm in the Northeast area, um, New York, New Jersey area. And when this requirement came, as far as wearing a face covering to enter into the gas station, to enter into Walmart, to enter into Target, you know, there was genuine fear about you know, how I'm gonna be perceived, you know, cause I, I have this even before the pandip, pandemic started. It's how am I perceived anyway, just by being a black male. Um, and one of the things that I try to be conscious of that I find, you know, after, after the Trayvon Martin thing, wearing even a hoodie. So now it's still pretty, it's still pretty chilly up here in, in, in New York area. So, you, I mean, you still have to have a jacket on. So it's now like, now it's a double whammy for me as far as not only wearing a hoodie, but now I have my face covered as well, too, and walking through the streets sometimes, you know, are people are I have the, I have the thing are people truly crossing the street because, oh, the six feet distancing thing? Or is it truly like, hey, this black guy's walking down the street with a, a dark hoodie and a, a face and, a, and his face covered as well, too. So, I mean, it's one of these things like the, the major question I have is like, how do we move past that point where at least people that look like me can actually can actually exist in life without that fear. I know that's kind of a rhetorical, unanswerable question, but I just love to talk to someone else as well. <laughs> so. yeah, I, I really wish I had that answer. I think we're going to run into ignorance and bias is real and racism is real. Let's not any of us on this call, I know I'm preaching to anyone that's on this call, <laughs> it's a reality. And ignorance and lack of education is real. 
and and I I'm not going to say to somebody you can't be yourself and you shouldn't be able to wear a hoodie. But and I also I can get it. I, I I'm not a black man, but I can get wearing a hoodie and wearing a face mask and then walking into a store to pick up a soda. Get out of your neighborhood and eat in your neighborhood. I don't know what that answer is. What I do know is that as they're building task force, there needs to be <laughs> task force for everyone across the board. There needs to be consistent education outside. And those of us that, um, that are aware of this need to educate others. Like even I said to some black men that I saw in the corner, I'm in downtown Brooklyn and I see these men all the time, but they were all speaking with their masks down. And I looked at them, I said, I can't afford to lose you. Please put your mask on. Stand in front of the store because it's a store that they work on. But why should I have to tell them to go stand in front of the store? We always have to adjust. And unfortunately, we're still in the adjustment stage. And I'm annoyed by the fact that we have to adjust no one should have to just because the color of their skin um, or the way that their facial structure is. But unfortunately, that's the case we're in right now. So I'm open to if someone has other ideas as well on what what are we going to do as black men? What do you do? You know, I've been on walking down the street with the mask and I got my glasses on and my gloves on and I'm all discombobulated with the bags. I don't want to be out anymore. I try to look at people in their eye and I do the little head nod with the eyes and keep it moving very quickly, six feet apart. Yeah. Looks like I have a question, Leslie. Yes. From? From Michael. Hi, not Michael, it's Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Both are on here. Um, but mine is not a question. I know you speak about the men with the face covering now and, and worried about that. Well, that's something I've worried about for half over half of my son's life, just him going out there, period. Um, but just recently, since this all started, I myself was in a supermarket with the face mask on and um, I'm shopping. Caucasian lady looked at me and said, huh, and got, she got really scared, like, like I was going to do something to her in the supermarket. So it's not just men now. Also, it's just people of color. No, I, I agree with you. And so it's something that if they're saying this is the new normal and I just read the comment. Yeah, you have something on your face and you reach in a pocket for your phone and people start jumping. It's like what happened at 9-11? And I tell this story because he came back and told it to me. It was a light-skinned African-American man was flying first class to LA. It was like when we first started flying, we're all in the entertainment industry. And he said he sat down next to a um, white woman and she jumped. And he looked over and said, oh, don't worry, I'm black. And, he, and she said, oh, thank God. He said, I think that's the first time a white woman ever said, thank God to a black man. We have such perceived biases. It's this pandemic has brought it to the forefront and brought it to the top. You know, where are we? And this is what we're going to speak about next week. Where are we going to spend our money? Because we're quick to run to the Chinese market, right? We're quick to run to the Chinese store because they have the best fried wings, you know. But something happens and all of a sudden, you're not talking to them. You know, 
And so it's the same thing. Like they see us and we're immediately going to rob somebody, jump on someone, because that's the, unfortunately, it's not only media that beats it and I'm not gonna be on media and I'm not beating on anyone that's white. This is a conversation because we all need to be part of this conversation. The education was always, always continued to be there. Um, and it doesn't make a difference whether you're a woman of color or a man of color. The fact that people are immediately looking at, at everyone, how are you gonna live if you're looking at everybody with two eyes going like this? And now I'm gonna look at you like that if you, you're not six feet away from me right now, which really needs to be 12, because I just don't want anybody breathing on me. I don't care who you are at this point. But how do we move this forward? How do we stop blaming? Because we went from blaming an illness to blaming cultures and races. I, I have another question for you. You know, with this, ta this task force that New York has started, uh, it's a two-part question. One, do you think it's going to be effective? And then the second part would be if, if, it, if, if or if it's not effective, then how do we get a task force for every single group that that has been victimized based upon you know circumstances out of their control? So two part question. I just like you. The only task force that I, to the best of my knowledge, when I'm on these calls, is not one for African Americans. There has been one for Muslims. There is now the one for Asian. There is one for Jewish. But no, there's not one for white folks and there's not one for black folks. So yeah, how do that, and that's what I'm looking at now. Where is the task force for African-Americans? You know, they're saying, and I'm gonna say they as government says, if we see a man of color walking down the street with a mask, we will not be stopping them. Well, that's nice conversation. I think the reality of it is not always the case. But I don't think police are jumping to stop too many people right now, truth be told, because they're not trying to get out their car and get close. But the matter, the, the honest truth is, if you have a, uh, a white guy walking down the street with a bandana, same bandana as someone black walking down the street with a bandana, chances are if they're going to stop someone, it's gonna be the African-American person or the person of color before someone white gets stopped, you know, unless something has happened and they're doing something. So yes, these task forces need to start happening. And I think that's where we really need to step up as a group. And when I say as a group, it is a group of collective of like-minded people that want to make change. Makes sense. We got a second question here from Amanda as well. So Amanda, I um, unmuted your mic. Thank you very much. I hope everyone's having a good evening. Hello, Lady Leslie. Hello, Amanda. Uh, <laughs> uh, more than just a question, more of a comment, because, um, you know, yes, I believe that everyone should have um, the responsibility. You have to be responsible. I mean, because we're all adults here, you know, but we're also teaching children and everything and other generations as well. So we do have to, we have a responsibility. However, I also do believe 
that leadership in media also has a responsibility. Um, and as long as they're giving, you know, not the full facts, false information, or, you know, let's, let's be real. We, our leader said it was a Chinese, you know, disease in the beginning and a lot of different things. And so when you're putting these things out here, you have to be much more responsible. Um, you know, for me, especially when I'm talking to like my C-suite clients and things like that, you know, I always say it starts at the top, you know, the culture starts at the top. Um, and so, again, it, it's it's hard to say. We as people, of course, we need to be more mindful and aware of other cultures, 100%. You know what I mean? Because I mean, for Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like it's, it's important because the other part is like, for instance, you know, my sister, her best friend is Asian as well. And she got attacked on the street. Um, and this is before the, the COVID-19 situation happened. Um, I have other clients who are part of the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, we talked about the fact that the leadership really should be you know, passing this down, saying, hey, guys, we cannot congregate like this. This is not healthy. Just so you know, that did happen. Um, mm -hmm. For a fact, where they were, they pulled in a lot of um, the rabbis who yes, yes. in that neighborhood. And that's why you have seen less, not, yes. less, not more, but you have seen less of it because they did actually bring them in. And I think that's where it also comes from. When you say leadership, it's leadership across the board. It's not yes. only your politician; it's your local activists having the conversation. Absolutely. It's your, it's you seeing something and saying it to your neighbor. Baby, put your mask back on. Like, was that necessary? Like, I called somebody. And they were like, "Oh, it's the Chinese virus." I said, "No, baby, it's not a Chinese virus. It is a virus, and it is. It, it may." And I said, "To the best of our knowledge." It started in China, but well, we don't even know where it really started. So, exactly. you know, it's again, yes, media is, you know, everything is, we all know this, everything's not a breaking news story. Right, exactly. You know, I saw a great meme today. If it's not, if it's not, you're sending me a whole million dollars or we found the cure, um, then stop calling it breaking news right now <laughs> because. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's exactly what I'm talking about, because even with, you know, when the whole scenario happened, when the cops came out and everything else, you know, that's the one of the first things I spoke to one of the rabbis like that they talk. I mean, again, there's a communication breakdown, you know what I mean? And that this is what's key as our communication as a whole. You know, we need to have a better way of communicating with each other, especially when it comes down to cross cross culture communication as well. You have to know who like is, is what I just said. You have to know who the leaders are within that community. You know, Absolutely. it's just what I said the other day on something that every time something happens in the black community, they run to the preachers and ministers and all of that. And I have no problem with that, but there are other leaders that maybe the young people aren't looking to that particular. Absolutely, I agree. It's, 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 um, you have to do dimensions. And 
I can't count on, or we can't count on only city agencies doing that because they only have so much manpower. So again, it comes to each of us at our own level of community to stop falsehoods, to be the example. Now, is it our responsibility to take on the world? No, but yes, you take on what you can take on and of just calling it out when you see it. Um, I love the comment that Jade made. I just want to go back for a second. The virus doesn't discriminate, but society does. Jade, you're absolutely right. And that's what it is. We are so ingrained in bias and discrimination. And I'm a big one that race, racism, and racist are three different words. And so I'm always very careful with those three words as well. And so race is who we are. Racism is your own thought processism. Racism is you are actually now starting to act on your thought process. That's now where it interferes with me. That's when you are now putting it on somebody else. You know? Hey, Leslie, Leslie, we had a, a comment. And I apologize if I mispronounce your name, um, Benalita. So I'm going to unmute her. She, she um, made a comment in the chat. And I think, uh, I think this is a great topic to be discussed. Hi, uh, you pronounced my name perfectly, so thank you. <laughs> um, so I've got a question. I'm a scientist by training, and one of my question is, is, is the bias fueled by uh, anti-science sentiments? So I'm Haitian, and for most of my childhood, a lot of my white friends' parents thought that if you were from Haiti, you had AIDS. You know, I was adopted by a white family and those things were said without really accounting for the fact that, oh yeah, I am from Haiti. So I've kind of very, and thing I realized is that people actually did understand the concept of contagion, just what it means to for something to be contagious and also means and modes of contagion. And just understanding those two criterions kind of took it away from a de facto you're Haitian, you have AIDS, to there are behaviors that will be conducive to an individual getting AIDS. And because of condition X, Y, and Z, and Haiti, for instance, being poor, poor um, public health policies, poor education, it spread like wildfire because there were no resources. So I feel that there's a little bit of the same thing here where we say there's X group that's responsible for it because there is a, there's an anti-science sentiment that prevents people from actually taking the time. It is airborne. You breathe it, you walk into it, right. you will be, so really because some, sometimes I feel that like Dr. Fauci, simple concept would really unmask a lot of those biases. And I feel that as a black person who happens to be gay, who happens to be an immigrant, often it's just really making the science simple right. and bring the bias naked, pretty much undress the bias. Strip it, strip it. I absolutely agree with you. Thank you so much for that. You said it eloquently. That, that's exactly what it is. On the flip side, unfortunately, we have people that are out there and it came, it was, in, it was on the news on it. As I was walking in here, I turned on the news quickly and guess what was on the news? I'm not wearing a mask because our president doesn't wear a mask. And this is not a, against, I don't wanna get into a Trump thing, but I wanna get into what you said. People, you can give them the signs, you can show them. This and this doesn't equal that. This is how this is made. 
two, three, four. And they go, uh-uh, that's not what it is. And so it is um, what this virus is also strict is how people follow, that people do not read. Lord, you're speaking science. God bless you. What? It's not, we're not making slime in the, in the, in the, uh, in the house. Cause you know, for some people that's, that's science. We made slime with a coat and put a mento in and explode it. They don't understand how science plays a part in every single thing that we do. And they don't understand. They don't break it down. They see one thing and they just go with it because they don't think and they don't, and, and clearly they're not reading outside of their community. And that's where a bias and racism, and racism starts when you stay within that same community of hearing it over and over and over again. Um, and that's where we have to do better in media. That's where we have to do better with ourselves. And yes, I agree with you. If, if the doctor could break it down a little bit, but I don't know if he even has that option. <laughs> you know, they're controlling what he says in a, kind of sort of way. We have a, the next thing we have, we have a comment from um, Kim as well. Um, she looks like she was giving some suggestions on ways that we could uh, combat, but I don't want to take her thunder. So I um, <laughs> your mic, Kim, and you could, you could make your comment and ask your question. Where am I? Oh, sorry. No worries. You're mute now. Sorry. Um, I agree with what Amanda says. I agree with everything that you say also. And the young lady that just spoke. I think that people are definitely in a fear mongering. It have had fears a long time for anyone, you know, that does not look like them. Some people make an effort to understand other cultures, and some people just are stuck in their ways. A lot of this is because people in the household speak one way to their children and they act another way when they get outside. It is unfortunate that there's the authenticity, and I'm not saying it right, but people need to be more authentic in what they're doing. I can appreciate you more if you tell me you just don't like black people or I got black friends. I cannot appreciate when you go to a meeting, you make certain jokes and I'm sitting there and you think that it's okay. There's a different, there's a disconnect, I think, that has been going on for a very long time. I'm so sorry that this pandemic has happened, but I think it is unearthed. It is shaking up the foundations that need to be shaken up. There's a lot of conversations that need to be had by, with neighbors, with people at the store. It's just like the bodega around the block has had a sign up for a very long time that no one will be allowed in with a mask. Now let's see what happens when everything goes back to normal. Right. You know, is that going to our our money is still green. I don't care where we go anywhere. People will always take our money, but they don't necessarily want to live near us. They don't necessarily want to work with us, but when it comes to the money, why are you taking next week's topic? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it it is true. So there was an article that you may have seen going around about a and this was in London, an African American nurse who is on the front lines and I posted it today. And, you know, she said, you applaud me now, but next week or in another two weeks, 
I'll be, you know, your racist tendencies will come out. And so, you know, I said, I will stand with you always. If I have made that pact that I'm going to stand with another human being, I don't care where, what they've come from, I will stand with you. And I said it at a speaking engagement of what, 2000 and something, I was at the Jewish convention and I was on a panel and I asked, but will you stand with me? Not when I come off the stage and every I'm the best thing since sliced bread and everyone wants to take pictures. Will you know who I am when I'm standing in the hotel lobby? Will you know who I am when I'm on Amtrak coming back to New York? Or will you just ignore and walk on? We can no longer afford to walk on. And so that comes back to how do we take advantage of the light of the disparity of this virus? We said last week, this is not an equalizer. No. When you have the doctor in front of his house. Yes. Test to the homeless and putting in tents and tests and comes and gets arrested because they do not believe that he's a doctor. They do not believe that he's out helping people. So at what, there's only so much we can continue to say, I'm one of the good ones before people have to um, continue to lead by example, train, train, train. Now, half of the training is one of the reasons I started the Congo Group is because I didn't believe the trainings spoke to people in offices today or on the street today. People are smart. Yet people are followers. So if you don't have the conversations that people can understand, exactly what as I said, if you don't break it down and strip some things, people are left and they're confused. I see we can shoot. Am I jumping? Yeah, I'm supposed to let you lead. Sorry. I'm no, you <laughs> go for it. Go for it. No, I, it's just I love yes, go ahead. No, I was just saying people are leaving just comments and everything. Um via the via the chat function so if you want to read down them i just saw nancy because that's the one that's jumping i'll go back up um can we choose to make this opportunity to go back to better than normal yeah because normal clearly wasn't working nancy um thank you for your comment it, it normal wasn't working normal was a lot put on to just keep you know you get up you go to work you have people that you work with you know, I have my Asian friend, I have my black friend. Um, and it, it, it's crazy. And that's how people describe. And let's be honest, that's how people describe people sometimes. So normal doesn't work. How do we make it better by saying, calling it when we see it? When we hear someone say the Chinese virus, say it's a virus. When we see someone say, um, you know, that black guy has his pants down or whatever. I can't, that's a bad example because his pants should be up. But, you know, when <laughs> we see, don't judge. So I was on a call yesterday and uh, I really wasn't on the call, I was a guest. And then they asked me to speak about diversity and inclusion and someone was speaking about, well, I will judge anyone depending on what I see in the background uh, on Zoom calls. Now, you know, I didn't let that go. And I was like, excuse me, I know I'm a guest, but I can't let that go. How dare you be that privileged and biased to judge someone's talent because of what's behind them? Yes, you should make an effort, but maybe that person is living in a place that that was their effort. Maybe that person 
has the Zoom background because they don't want people to see where they are. Maybe they have a lot going on. I say, and on the flip side, you had a singer on the TV show the other day with his bed unmade, with his piano right in his little room. And I don't remember his name, if someone does. So we need to be aware of even those comments. So when we go back to the new normal, which we don't know what it is, because we're in a normal of a moment now, we need all of us here that clearly this means something, must make an effort to say to someone, hold on, that's not what that is. I have a, I have a question for you. I just thought of this as well too. I've been, I've been looking at some memes on social media. Don't fault me for it. Um, but, <laughs> but uh but one of the things i find interesting you had you have texas and you have georgia that's opening back up their economies and everything um and what i find to be interesting about um about that scenario is that one the selection of businesses that they're looking at opening um so just want to see your thoughts around you know why these particular businesses that they're opening and and i'll just tell you my at least my slant on it is that they're opening they're going to open it up what barbershops you know your rib shacks and places like that that are traditionally owned by yes that are traditionally owned by by minorities um you know from a certain extent i look at it as okay the reason why they're doing that is being in part because for one we know traditionally healthcare has been you know sparse with this particular with with this population um, so it seems like they're opening them up, opening these these places up um, to essentially essentially uh, accelerate infection amongst a group that can't protect themselves. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm slanted. Maybe I'm a little jaded when I come to those things. But you know, that's one of the things that I that, that came to mind. You know, when I saw when I saw that uh, when I saw those things happening, it, it came to mind, and then I had to let the spirit of my chaplaincy take over so I don't get mad and say, it's still a test. I mean, they're testing a bunch of stuff in it. I don't wanna say they're trying to kill us all out, but I'm gonna say they're tests, that they're testing and those are the neighborhoods they're testing in. You know, I text someone before I got on the call because they're talking about um, opening up casinos in Vegas. And I said, if they open it up, you better stay yourself at home. Cause this person likes to go and do a little gambling. Do not go. But I also love that Nina said, when they open all these shops, I'm gonna let you all run out there and go. Cause I'm gonna stay home for the next one and see what's happening. So yes, they know. But how do we, how do we support, how do we support our community at that point in time? Like what, like what type of, I mean, it's, it's kind of- Some of them are smart enough to say I'm not opening. The one barbershop who's the big barbershop in Atlanta, he said, ah, man, I'm not opening can open if they want. I'm not falling for it. I'm going to hold on. So everyone has to be smart. How do we support them? You know, I, some people said they bought gift cards. We know in, in our communities of color, that's not normally the case. Um, and if you have, I don't know if some of your people was able to buy gift cards for you in advance for your, for your spot. And it does acupuncture and is amazing. Like I said, doctor, she has a lot of things. Um, I don't know if people are able to buy gift cards there. Normally, in the lower uh, economy communities, you're not buying gift cards. 
I'm sending messages to someone like, I'll be there the day you open, open for real. When we're all safe, I'm there. And they're like, yo, I'll be there too. And not a day before. Let them know that you're still with them, that you see. I'm not running out. And I, but I also understand for some, it's, if they don't get money in their pocket today, because of the disparity of how the funds, when we have all the big companies getting funds and smaller businesses not getting funds or not even qualifying, not hearing back, but all of a sudden all these other checks have just rolled on out by, <laughs> by magic. I want to support, but it's hard to support small business when you don't have it as well at this time. So letting people know as soon as we're there, I'm there as soon as we can do it. Um, I love it. Yes, people should use common sense when going. You know, is there a way that a barbershop can open? So I've been thinking about that. Does the shop open and they have to stagger people in? And so one barber's at one side and another barber's at another side. And so you're not making the money you were making, but something's coming through the door on timing. Maybe that's a way of doing it. Maybe if it's nice out. And if there's a yard, I'm a cut outside one at a time and we're going to rotate that in. I, I don't know, but we need to be smart. You know, that makes sense. Um, they say the community leaders in Atlanta are not having it. No, the community leaders aren't having it and they've been speaking up. So yes, that's another way of, again, we can't rely on one set of, of go run. That's like, you know, when all your, your mother said, if everybody jump off the bridge, you're going to go to. Um, I've always been, I'm going to let you run and I'm going to get right to the edge and be like, y'all good? <laughs> How'd that work out for you? You okay over there? Because we're going to need to be smart. We're going to need to be smart to turn this around. Is there an advantage to this? Because again, Everyone says, oh, a light has been shined on bias and racism. Has it? Because I don't think there's any new bias or racism. I think it continues to grow and it gives people an extra excuse to go out and attack people. It's another layer. This has been one more layer to, to show bias and racism and blame. I want everyone to stop blaming and let's figure out how we're going to move through this. Any other, yes, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say, if anyone has questions, start, um, start, um, go ahead and throw them into the chat and everything. And can you all hear me? Am I moving too much? That, okay. You know, I start getting excited in. <laughs> so again, let's go back to this. Stop blaming and start thinking communities that are keeping the country running while we are in shelter in place. Undocumented brothers and sisters, you are so true. Who said that? Sarah, thank you. Hey, Sarah. Um, Sarah, you want to say some more on that? Um, sure. I think that um, a lot of us, and, and we're talking about kind of going back to, someone said going back to better than normal. Um, I think 
this has been a real time. Um, I've heard a lot of thank you to doctors and nurses, and I'm sure everyone on here also knows there's a huge amount of thanks that goes to our sanitation workers, the janitors, the people that go in and, and help uh, at the end of someone getting over COVID. And there's just like across the board, technicians in hospitals, all of that. But I mean, the food that's on our plates, undocumented farm workers, um, people, essential staff that are helping to try and keep small business restaurants open that don't get to shelter in place because they depend on it. Um, I think it's, you know, I hope that when we go back to being better than normal, that we also are able to have a conversation of gratitude as a country that recognizes these people more and that that conversation doesn't just you know, end in gratitude, but ends in actual action like livable wages, uh, pathways to citizenship, things like that. And I know this is a lot of, you know, dreams and, um, you know, optimism, but I think we have a platform here. I, you know, I think uh, as a faithful person, I think God has given us something to think about. I think God has given us um, space to to check in with ourselves. And I hope that it can give us all that that platform to have that conversation, especially about for me as a Latina and someone who works with a lot of undocumented people, I, I hope it does open that door for that community for us to be able to advocate. Thank you so much, because you're right, because let's be honest, they're the essential workers. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the ones that's right now cleaning up hospital floors and subways and doesn't have the proper mask and gloves and all those other things are wages. And, you know, when I saw about the ticker tape parade, as much as for doctors and nurses, I'm there. But all I could think of is the freaking nobody wants a clap or a ticker tape parade. Every doctor, nurse, janitor, subway, whatever they're doing, they want to see it in their check and they want to not be fired when they speak out. Um, they just hired those other nurses back. They want to have fair wages, living wages to be able to support their families. We don't need a ticker tape parade. We're good. And I'm speaking for them. <laughs> just, I'm like the amount of money that this city will spend. Can you not put that in the check of somebody that's been showing up every day? That's, just, that's you know, that's my thought as well with you. <laughs> Leslie. Um... We have a uh, dissertation by Benelita. Um, <laughs> Sorry, she, she's sending it directly to me, um, but I'll let her make the comment to everyone. Um, so I unmuted your mic. Oh, hi, sorry. <laughs> um, so so uh, beating the drum of science again, but so I've got two, it's, it's more of an approach. So universities at least for cuny and i think university of arizona there are core curriculums you cannot graduate if you don't take a philosophy course and if you don't take a history course because it's deemed that it is critical to be an educated citizenry well-rounded that you have some degree of exposure not mastery but exposure to those topics how about making sociology and some to some degree an emphasis on diversity and inclusion and the critical importance of it part of core curriculums from because elementary school well let's from, i i agree <laughs> but i i can only speak to to core to university that have a more a more leeway on how they change stuff than say earlier on 
And I feel that also there needs to be an effort from every science educator to talk about bias and their science courses. I mean, I teach chemistry and I usually tell people, Flint, Michigan, have you heard about it? I, as a chemist, will tell you that there are, there's a logical process by which you can explain how is the water dangerous? Why is it dangerous? And I feel that it's my job to bring that up from a scientist, but also putting on a context where when I teach people about um, you know, what goes into water and what's water quality, I can tell them this in example. Um, we have Maybe a more imperative look like you. That's the other problem. I went to university. I was the only black person, not not teacher, the only black student, the only black uh, faculty and an entire chemistry department. And I will make it even more outrageous. It was in the heart of Brooklyn, New York. Yes, I, and I'm not surprised. And so when you say that teaching, I agree with you. The issue is, and then you always say represent representation matters. When there is not someone that it is part of their DNA, and not always, because we have a lot of amazing allies, and I have some on this call, and allies and champions and advocates for the for all races, and they they stand right there and they and they stand up. But if it's not in your DNA to stand up for anyone that doesn't look like you, sound like you, or walk like you, it is not part of your thought process to have that as a curriculum that is mandatory, because why do we need to think about it? So when sometimes African-Americans or people of color will come to me and go, Leslie, can, you know, why aren't they thinking about me for a raise? Or why aren't I getting this? I said, because they don't have to think about you. That's not how they think. You know, and I'm saying even leadership, but it should be because a bias, you have a bias in science. You have a bias and there is biases. We all walk in bias, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even from that simple elementary level of bias to understand the top four, <laughs> um, you know, would be essential to people. I would like for it to happen, honestly, before they ever get to university. Because by the time some people get to university, it is either a great time for them, minds to open and get away from home and see the world. But that's only if they take up, they take a step out and go somewhere, a school that is going to be different for them. And so it's I, I, when you when you're ready to get that course in there, call me. I will do whatever I need to help you. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I'm with you. Leslie, one question for you. What can I mean, what can all of us take away from, you know, this conversation to try to, to try to make, I guess, the best out of this situation for what it is? Uh, what are I guess what are three things that we are doesn't have to be three. What are some of the things that we could do to be better allies for one another? Um, and basically make this to uh, try to come out of the situation better than we started it. One speak up. I think speak up. Um, and when I say speak up, I mean speak up within your friends, within your community. Um, let people know that things aren't right. Know that, figure out how you're going to change something next time. And it's like what I said, if you hear someone say the Chinese virus or you see um, 
just what I said. If, if she's serious and she wants to do a course, I don't know if I can help any way, but I'm offering my services to be like, if you need a signature on something that this is right, or someone to come in and speak to your class, whatever that has, I, I'm willing to do that. Be the ally, the advocate, the champion for yourself and the community and for those you see. You know, you be the one that looks at the 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 black guy with the with the scarf or the black girl with the scarf and give a, you know, a eye wink. Um, because you don't know how much someone needs that on the street, just that you see them. Uh, and then if you are in someone that's in government or things like that, let it be known. Just again, don't let things go by under the table said just because. You know. Gotcha. Fear weather. <laughs> you know. So we have about seven minutes left, just FYI. Okay, perfect. Uh, so, you know, if, if someone else has something that they want to add to as a takeaway, put it in the chat. This is about um, all of us learning from each other to be better, to have these conversations. Let's keep having these conversations. It's not about blame. But if we don't have these conversations, by the time someone gets back into an office a month from now, two months from now, or whenever it, it opens, and these conversations stay pent up inside you, you know the moment somebody says something crazy to you or bumps you at the water cooler, coffee cup, you're going to be like, let me explain it to you. So let's start having, knowing how to respond to, to this. You know, Don't assume that somebody knows who you are. Sometimes you need to let them know who you are. But stand up to someone, even if you're just walking behind them and you look at somebody else like today's not the day to mess with them. Be that. You know? Um, if there's anyone, if there's like I said, does anyone that has any other comments jump in? Otherwise, if you all want to change uh, change information on how to get in contact with each other, go ahead and put that in the chat, whether it's LinkedIn or Hold on, hold on. Give me just a moment, Leslie. Apologies for muting you. I thought I could, I thought I could mute unmute everyone, but that's not the case. <laughs> Sorry, finish your. So, but everyone, if you want to unmute yourselves, go ahead, because everyone has the power to unmute themselves. So you can go ahead and do that. And um, next week's conversation, um, which clearly Kim is going to uh, <laughs> be part of is where is your money going to go? When all of this is over, where are you spending your money? You see, there's some companies that send some real crazy shady things, and there's been some companies that has really stood up um, and been beacons in this, as well as some CEOs and leaderships. So uh, it'd be great to, to have that conversation. I see something about mandatory vaccines. Start. Before that, I think I think uh, I think you have a question. Go ahead. Yeah, I think. Uh, hi, um, Yamaya posted something really interesting, and I just wanted to hear more about it. Um, uh, she, she, I think, she wrote that uh, mandatory vaccines is a, a black person sounded really like problematic and I, I, I that could be true um 
So I was just wondering, mandatory versus non-mandatory vaccines in general, uh, is, there, is there cultural concern about vaccines? Ooh, I think that depends on where you are. I mean, and you know what? So you said something great. It's cultural concerns about so many things. That's why the Orthodox Jewish um, community didn't listen to vaccines for kids or gathering in the street. I think who's given the vaccine, what's in the vaccine. Um, I don't want to be the first guinea pig. To, to do it, and I, I, I am concerned that it will be tested. Well, look at what happened the article in, in France. They were going to test it on Africans. And I don't know if you all heard about this. I called everybody I knew, my ex, like everyone in France, and was like, what is this article? What is going on in France? And he was like, yeah, two stupid doctors decided that they would take the Africans in France and start testing them by the vaccine on. So what are we, so it becomes like we're guinea pigs again? Black folks have already sacrificed that. We went through that years ago of having vaccines and, and things and not knowing. So I think it's really, um, yeah, Emma, who's going to be the guinea pigs? Yeah, they've been looking at Africans to be the guinea pigs. So I'm going to need some time. I personally, I'm going to need some time on that vaccine. If anyone else wants to jump in and go, if it's cultural or not, I think, I think we're still recovering from the moral tragedies such as Tuskegee. And, you know, when you see a white doctor telling you that they have to inject your child and it's something that, you know, it's been tried on 600 people, it's different. I will tell you having a 15-month-old, I'm a scientist, but I can understand why somebody in a different position would be like, if a black doctor tells me they will give it to their child, will create a different rapport, again, having to do representation. Tuskegee is a moral tragedy we refuse to talk about. Yes. And because we refuse to talk about it, the trust that it has eroded will never be mended. And that's why that doctor said, I am, I, you love me now because I'm saving your life. Exactly, correct. Next week, I'm going to be a black doctor and I, need, I don't want to see her. Yes. But this week, I'm good. It's the same exact thing representation matters who's giving you the message matters so i've got a question how do you make um bias something that's financially relevant to address so how do you make bias something that affects people's bottom line okay great conversation which is part of next week's as well because of, no no that's but that's good but that's great then i'm on the right i'm on the right road with the conversation next week <laughs> um, it's going to affect, and I don't want to give away too much, where are you spending? So there has been proven that if you stop spending at a certain, if you stand and say, we're no longer supporting this company, that's the consumer. Internally, unfortunately, when, when those that have stood up and fought for diversity and inclusion for some companies have been fired or let go. Not that, of course, but others. It is the bottom line. But we have to stand together. And we can't be one week we're doing this and the next week we're doing that and that when we're doing that. It has to be a, a, a united, consistent front. It will start happening. And that will be the conversation next week. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's discussion. And as always, thank you, Micah and the Village Collective, for working with us. Please join us for next week's discussion and please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at the Kava Group. Until next time, keep expanding beyond your current culture and catch us on Visibility Unlimited. Thank you.